With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the official Tennis.com podcast, featuring professional coach and community leader, Kamal Murray. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. I'm your host, Kamal Murray, and we are coming off the week of Billie Jean King Cup, where we've seen Switzerland win BJK Cup. And, you know, I must say, you know, Fed Cup, Billie Jean King Cup, it comes two ways, right? A lot of players say they feel a lot of pressure when competing for their country. And others see a lot of pride. And I think Belinda Benchik has shown that given the Olympic win and given her performance last week, taking out every country's top player. She feels a lot of pride when playing for her country. I mean, I saw her live in the flesh. I was there watching her play Pliskova. And in the second set, it got really hairy, right? And we've seen sort of Benchik sort of, you know, get be a little temperamental at times and go the other way. And she held it together for the sake of the team and for the sake of the country. So congratulations to Switzerland. This week, we have a chance to sit down with Craig O'Shaughnessy, who is live on location at the NEDO ATP Finals. And, you know, so far we've seen Rafa go down twice. Once to Taylor Fritz, six and one. And the other one to Felix Auger-Alassine. We've seen his ball not have the same impact, not just because it's indoors, but just because he still looks like he's still dealing with that injury. Craig was sitting courtside for this match. And, you know, you just wonder, are we watching an end of era? We've already seen Roger announce his retirement, and we've seen Rafa become very vulnerable. We saw what happened in Paris, and yet again being 0-2 in the ATP Finals is something I don't think we've seen in the past 10 years. But what, is, what does this open the door for Novak? Novak Djokovic, of the group, is probably the person that's most comfortable playing this late into the season and probably is the freshest this season as he's ever been, having missed some tournaments due to not being vaccinated. His body seems fresh. He put on some muscle. Uh, he doesn't seem to be worn out from a long season. And now that Rafa is sort of out of contention to take the title, you have to wonder if it's Novak's turn. And the only match that gets a little bit tricky is the match against Medvedev. He's probably, when you look at the field, I think the young players, you know, will really come up short um, later in the third set with Novak. But then Medvedev is the one that I think can force Novak to extend the points uh, and hang in them in those long rallies. So we're going to see what happens. But yet again, we see Rafa sort of struggling again at the end of the season. Are we watching an end of an era? Or are we just seeing the young boys kind of figure it out and mature? Take a listen to what Craig O'Shaughnessy had to say live on location. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. I am your host, Kamal Murray, and we are here with Craig O'Shaughnessy, who is live on location at the NEDO ATP Finals. Uh, we've just saw Rafa Nadal lose twice uh, to young up-and-coming players. So that's very interesting. And in, interesting, perhaps exciting for people who are fans of the tour and not necessarily strictly Nadal fans. 
Uh, and, you know, we'd love to just chat about what the environment is like there, uh, why we see some of these losses happening. We've seen Djokovic and Rafa and Fed just sort of become very vulnerable over the past years. Uh, and we've seen a lot of young players sort of ascend this year. Uh, Francis, Tommy Paul, Nakashima, you know, so what's going on there? So, Craig, welcome to the show. It's an absolute pleasure to chat with you again. I, um, as you mentioned, I, I was at Rafa's match against Felix for the last hour and 45 and came off the court, uh, came off watching it just a few minutes ago. So it's all very fresh. Um, and Felix was amazing. Felix, if, we, if you want to start with that, Kamal, I'd, I'd love to chat about that. And, you know, the ascension of Felix um, is a big deal. You know, he is, he is a huge server. And I kind of live tweeted my way through the match, partly to let people know what was going on, but partly for my own recollection is like, okay, what were the things that happened in this match? The first thing that stood out to me was in the warm-up, Rafa is crushing the ball in the baseline exchange. There's no just kind of nice and easy, nice and easy. He was lighting it on fire. Felix was on the back foot, just doing everything he could just to get the ball back in the court. And I'm like, wow, th is this what Rafa is going to do? Because he has a history. If you've ever been to an event and walked the practice court and had the opportunity to watch Rafa on the practice court, he is annihilating the ball. And then you go to the match and he's spinning the ball and he's, you know, probing too much. It's like, please hit the ball like you do right now. Mm -hmm. I, I've seen that many times over the years. And in this warm-up, I'm like, holy cow, he's crushing it. And, and then the inevitable started. As soon as the match got going, he backed off. He was spinning the ball. He was about height. The ball's dropping short. And Felix had his way with it. So, um, you know, Felix was very, very impressive. You know, he, he, was, he was not broken. He had some break points against him. He served big on those break points. He served to the corners so well. And one of the knocks on Felix in the past is he could spray his forehand like an unattended garden hose. And he would just, he, he launches himself at it. He has this idea in his mind that the more I jump like a kangaroo, the harder I'm going to hit it. And it's not that way. It's the more he jumps, the more he wraps it around the frame. Um, he's doing a better job of staying down. He's doing a better job of keeping his left hand on the racket to control it because the backswing would get, would get wild. So I was impressed. I sat in the very next seat next to the Felix box, uh, of which Tony Nadal was in the box. It was crazy. Yeah. You know, it's like two seats away. Tony doesn't know what to do. He's so conflicted. Rafford played a good point and, you know, you know he's clapping for the, for the good tennis. But right. he's in Felix's box and, um, yeah, it, it was a weird deal. It was weird seeing him, seeing him have to struggle through that. Well, you know, it's interesting how we talk about what it's like to be courtside, right? To not dive into the numbers right away, but to be courtside. And what I've seen from Felix this year is in the past, he was sort of too nice. And I felt like that niceness and like, oh, we're, you know, I've seen him play Francis and Tommy and all these other guys where he would just sort of play nice. And it showed up, uh, you know, smiling at the end of good points, clapping his hands for the opponent, 
I felt like in the, at the end of long rallies, he just sort of got a little soft. And this year, I saw him actively holding his fist, staring at his opponent after long points, just to let him know I'm in it, I'm fighting, I'm that. And so this, it's interesting for you to provide this perspective, how Felix sort of stepped up and appeared to be tougher, right? Or, you know, not so respectful, but being tough at, in this match. But how much of that did you get a sense of from courtside, right? Because yeah. it's interesting to sort of watch body language, like in the yes. warm-up, how people try to set a tone, right? The tone on the court. Uh, and as a coach, I used to have my the notes out on my iPhone. And it'd be, I, there were points I would say, you know, third game, 1530, right? There are points that would stick out in yes. a match that sort of like set the tone and maybe carried over to like sort of like finish the set. What stuck out, right? What point, let's say first or second set, stuck out either from a body language standpoint or a long rally where one of them sort of like took a stand and showed, hey, I'm here to compete. Felix was so good with his body language today. He was, he was pumped, but not overly so that Rafa could, you know, you would elevate your opponent as well. Um, he never took a point off. Sometimes he, he smiled when he lost a point, but not in a soft manner at all. It just in a way is like, okay, Rafa was too good there. And he appreciated the moment, but he was really tough um, when it mattered. His body language was strong. He would look to the box, not a lot, but just at the right times. I thought he could, did a good job of not being completely connected, you know, like an umbilical cord to, to the box like some players are. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, th I thought he did a really good job, but most importantly, he had to face some break points today and he stepped up and really rocked some big first serves to the corners and was not broken today. And, and, and that was a really big deal. You know, he took control probably early to middle of the first set when, when he was able to break Rafa. Um, he faced a 1540 early on, I think it may be two, three, three or something like that in the first set. He faced 15-40. And I, I wrote down that game. Um, he hit two forehand winners to get back to juice. And I think he ended the game with two aces. So in a moment that he could have gone away, he could have faulted, he could have double folded, he could have thrown a second serve in, he could have done a lot of things. He stepped up and said, my forehand and my serve what I am going to win this match with. And he won that game and he broke Rafa in the next game immediately. And I thought he did a magnificent job. Um, he, he is the real deal. I, I felt today it was a real kind of passing where Felix is kind of, you know, surging towards the, the top five, the top three, um, number one in the world. And Rafa's kind of backing out of it. Rafa's level, I wrote at the end, was about a six out of 10. Mm. Very few times in the last decade have I ever thought or written something like that, whereas I thought Felix was an eight, probably at the end, pushing towards an eight and a half, nine. But the, the two levels today were not good. Uh, well, it's not good for Rafa. It was very good for Felix. And Rafa's level and body language, you could just tell he's like, I don't have it right now. Um, I, he didn't have it in Paris. He didn't have it at Labor Cup. He's just kind of backing out of the end of this season. He needs to go and get on his yacht and grab a snorkel and and a couple of cold beers and just, you know, take a deep breath and let this season go and go, this was a pretty good season for at least the first half, three quarters of it, and move on and get ready for the next season. 
Well, let me ask you this question. How much of it is injury, right? Because we know he struggled with injury, ab injuries, make it really hard to torque your torso, right? Your upper body, load up and generate the kind of RPMs that we've seen them, right? And so perhaps the warm-up was a, it's like, okay, here's how I'm going to win this match. I'm going to bluff in the warm-up, right? They just sort of set the tone. Good. Because I know I cannot create this sort of torque and this sort of action on the ball for the next two hours. Do you think it was that? Or do you, you know what I mean? Because it's... What, a, what an amazing question that um, I, I would, I, I wish somebody from the media would ask him that because he would give a very honest answer. And, and I, would, I would say <laughs> yes along those lines. Where I think the aberrant injury is hurting the most is on his serve because I actually did a side-by-side. I, I, I tweeted out two pictures. One of the, the top, the height of the toss, both guys in exactly the same spot, the height of the toss um, as they were in their service motion for a first serve. And Felix is, his knees are bent, he's down, he's loaded, he's ready to fire up. You know, you look at the, the legs and the height, the height was way higher than Rafa's. And mm -hmm. I feel that Rafa's lowered his toss on purpose. So he doesn't get that full extension out of his stomach and, and potentially injures um, his abs again and he's just kind of spinning that serve in and that that's held him back and yes you're right it's also hurting the forehand and the backhand because he can't really coil on that so um, yeah he, he needs to get that right and, and gain confidence in the abs again that, that they're 100% healed for when he heads down under. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And then we also saw Rafa lose to Taylor. I mean, that was like five and one, six and one. You know what I mean? Um, and so, you know, to me, I look, I look at like the Rafa sort of Serena thing, right? When you're sort of at the end of your career and you're not 100%, is it better to pull out versus give people a piece of your legacy, right? Because, you know, wins again Rafa, against Rafa Nadal are like matches you will never forget, right? Yes. And you know, maybe there's, I don't want to pull out ATP finals, a lot of money just for playing, right? Um, Paris, a lot of money just for playing. But do you feel, especially like, you know, ab injuries can also, it's not like a lot of surgery that can heal them, just rest heals them. Is he doing himself a disservice by not taking perhaps full 90 days off, right? To heal and potentially giving younger players a little piece of his legacy on a surface where he's not best, right? So like hard courts, he's not bad, but it's not clay. You know what I mean? What do you yeah. think about the decision to play given the heel time and just handing people sort of, I don't want to say handing the wins because these boys can ball, right? But, you know. Yeah, it's a really good point. Um, in an ideal world, Rafa does not play Paris. He does not play here. I believe he has an exhibition in South America next week, I believe. Okay. In an ideal world, he, do, he doesn't play that. But maybe the commitment to go and play next week um, is so big that he's like, okay, well, you know, I can't necessarily, I feel bad pulling out of out of Torino if I'm going to go and play next week. Um, the, the, yeah. the court is, is not helping him at all. It's absolutely 
um, you know, ideal for the younger guys like Felix today and um, Taylor last night. You know, he, he played so well. The backhand, you know, the backhand is going through the court. Um, you know, Taylor Fritz is, is, I looked at him last night. I'm like, holy cow, he is so good. He's actually, I watched um, courtside for Djokovic and, and Sitsi Pass. I was there for that. Um, I've, I've been to almost every match because I want to watch it from the side of the court. I'm third row. I'm on the service line. Um, you get to see the spin of the ball. You get to see, you know, the player sweat and breathe. And, and you, you know, you, you, you see it from such a different angle. On TV is good, obviously, but third row service line is amazing. And um, I tell you what, Taylor Fritz has impressed me more than any other player I've seen here. This court is perfect for him. The speed, you know, he doesn't have a huge backswing on the forehand, but it's unbelievable the racket head speed that he's getting. And he's just annihilating the ball. The backhand goes through the court. It's so good. He's serving so well. Um, what I really think that he does a great job of when he loses a point and he wants to complain about it, he'll just, you know, he'll let something go for three seconds and you look at his face and he has literally flushed that and he has moved three seconds later that point no longer exists in his mind he's got it out of the system and he's moved on he's doing a great job of that I think he wins the group I think he's in the semis I think he's a real good chance to go to the finals um, and, and possibly even win it so um, I'm on team Taylor Fritz right now after sitting in the third row watching all these guys play and uh, he's doing a great job. Um, one of the most exciting matches I thought was Rublev. I thought Rublev the past two months has like sort of had a subpar yeah. sort of European swing. And, you know, he really impressed me with a, with a, with a, with a match against Medvedev. Yeah. You know, the, way, the racket hit speed. This, I mean, this court helps him. But also I think, you know, his, his commitment and his toughness. I mean, you know, he just to be able to show up in here. Honestly, when I look at the group, he probably was the weakest of the group when you look at his season no right, or the second half of the season. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if the win yesterday is enough to sort of get him into the finals, but it definitely was, I think for him emotionally, saved his season and started to sort of build some momentum for Australia. No doubt whatsoever. I watched the first two sets of that and I, I said to myself, I, I just need a little great time. I, there's a gym that's close. I'm going to the gym. I'm like, thank goodness. You know, I, I need a little outlet. And I watched the first set and the second set. And I, I remember one tweet I put out. I was like, when the ball goes backhand to backhand, Medvedev wins the point. When the ball goes forehand to forehand, Rublev wins the point. And, and Medvedev had a lot of opportunities to go away in that match because, you know, he, he lost the first and he didn't. He hung around. Um, and, you know, I think he saved seven set points in the first set. Um, Rublev played amazing tennis. Medvedev kept his head. And for it to go so deep, I think it was seven match points that he, fi he finally won. I, you know, I, I probably, I, I needed, you know, a little bit of Craig time to go to the gym. But um, I, I'm sorry I missed the third set, but it, it probably took about three hours to get through that, whatever they did. But, yeah, Rublev was good. He kept his head. Medvedev was good. Um, Medvedev will kind of rue that because it's such a tough group to get through that, you know, now his back is really against the wall and he played a great match. So, yeah, it's good to see those two guys battle and it's good to see Rublev get over the line. You're exactly right. That's that's the the 
one of the biggest wins he's had in, in his career, no doubt. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So, you know, one of the things about making the finals, right? Everybody that plays, is playing in the finals means you've had a good season. You played a lot of matches, right? Um, won a lot of matches. Probably spent a lot of time on TV, right? And I think what makes the WTA finals and the ATP finals so hard to win is that everybody there is well coached. They've seen you a lot because all of y'all have been on court a lot to make it here. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I don't want to say easy to scout, but there's a lot of data points Mm -hmm. amongst all these players Mm -hmm. that the coaching staffs can sort of reference and pull back on lots of video, lots of YouTube. Mm -hmm. What do you, what do you think? I'd look at Djokovic who's probably played the least of this group. Mm-hmm. You could look at it as he's the least grooved, right? Or you could look at it as people have seen him the least. And if he was using his time at home wisely, his practice time, right? He probably may have been able to add one or two things. Mm-hmm. What do, how do you think that a short season for Djokovic, right? Or I don't say short, but abbreviated uh, season for Djokovic helps him or hurts him in this group based on those factors I just pointed out? Uh, I would say helps him. I, I would definitely say helps him because his mind is fresh. Um, he looks so good out there on the court. He's, you know, I, I worked with him for three years, 2017, 2018, 2019. The middle of 2017, he pulls out of Wimbledon um, with, a, with an arm injury, you know, the elbow injury. So he doesn't play for the rest of the season. Then we go to Monte Carlo um, in December and he starts hitting balls. And I remember seeing him and, and hugging him um, you know, at Aussie Open in January, um, and, and he, he lost weight during that period. He lost muscle. Um, he was away from the court. He was resting, and he was skinny. He, he, he wasn't strong enough. I remember him in Indian Wells in Miami. He just wasn't strong enough. And this time away, that he has he has hit the gym. He is right now. I don't think at any stage in the last decade he has more muscle on his frame ever than the last in the last 10 15 years he is really really strong so he has used this time away from the court to freshen his mind um he's used this time away from the court to strengthen his body and he he looks great he looks mm-hmm. so good against stefanos he his game plan was clear he, his shot selection was good um, mm-hmm. his ability to move around the court was great and he's got fresh legs and a fresh mind. He, he could absolutely come in here and win this, no question. And then the news broke today that he's back into Australia. So he, I mean, he's immediately the favorite for Australia. There's, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. I mean, I, one of the things that I think when I look at the group, right, you got Stisipas, you got Nadal, you got Medvedev, you got Felix, you have Rublev. This group, is not as used to a long season as Djokovic. So I would say, let's just say he played a full season. You look at these people as who's mentally fresh, who can stand being out on the road this long, right? Mm -hmm. I think that gives Djokovic and Nadal the edge in a normal season. 
Now mm-hmm. take the fact that Nadal is not 100% and Djokovic is still playing in November, but hasn't played all year, mm-hmm. right? You know, he's had some breaks. So it makes him the freshest, makes mm-hmm. him the least scouted of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you got to make him be the favorite with Rafa sort of not being, um, not being there. And I mean, when you think about his performance on a hard court, I mean, I think this is like his best surface. I think he is so tough to beat indoors mm-hmm. uh, on a hard court this time of the year, this fresh, uh, and with this group that is so young. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know that Taylor Fritz has the legs to stay in a longer match mm-hmm. with uh, Djokovic, especially a fresh Djokovic. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that Felix will have the tolerance in a third set, late in a third set, right, mm-hmm. um, Djokovic. And I just don't see, you, you talk about the strength, right? That was maybe the one thing where I see is that some of our big three age, you see some of the strength decline, but in this year where he's had time to just work on his body and be at home. I mean, I just see him being a clear cut favorite for this. And mm-hmm. then now having like the emotional lift from knowing he can compete in Australia. I mean, I think he's hands down a favorite. Yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, there's, there's questions about other players. I mean, um, you're exactly right. Can Felix keep it together for that period of time? Can Taylor run with him for that period of time? Um, I, I'm interested to see the second and third rounds to see how these guys develop and go through. You know, I, I'm really looking forward to Medvedev Djokovic because that's going to test, you know, Medvedev's going to ex- extend the rallies and be happy about it. Medvedev has beaten him on the big stage. Um, will Medvedev go after the point? I mean, it, you know, it, it's so simple when you see, sit on the side of the court and you look, it's like Daniil's forehand you know, when you look at a weakness in today's game, it's, you know, if you go to Daniel's forehand, he's going to make that first forehand. It, the, the first forehand is not the weakness. You go there again, Novak goes back cross court. The second forehand is not the weakness. It's when you make him hit the third and the fourth. It's the third and fourth ball where the errors come. And, you know, for a lot of the amateur players out there, we say, well, you know, Daniel's forehand is the weakest side. They're going to look and it's like, it looks like he hits it great to me. Um, wow. the, the guys, They're not in the rally long enough. The it's not ready, not ready long yeah. And that's where club players can also learn here is that a weakness doesn't mean when you hit it there once. And, you know, they make 90% of the time they make the first ball, 80% of the time they make the second ball, 60% of the time they make the third ball. But that fourth ball, that's a 50-50 gamble. And that's what the pros are good at is, is to lean on it and lean on it again and just push it back and, and make the spacing tough. That's where the weakness occurs. And that's where Novak is so good at staying in the point and lasting long enough to extract that error. I agree. That's the one match I can keep him out of the final. Uh, and I yes. love to, man, post-match, I love to analyze that match with you because I'll be watching close. I'll have the notes open on my iPhone. Um, you know, I've, I've got we'll my text eyes. like crazy. I we'll know, text. right? I'll send you pictures. Uh, I got all these pictures I'm, I send you through. Oh, man, it, it's great. Well, Craig, I, I really appreciate you. You know, you're giving us a bird's eye view uh, courtside of the Felix and Rafa match. Um, I think we, you and I both have the very same prediction. And I think we agree that the Medvedev match will be the popcorn match of this. I mean, this will be the match of the finals, right? It's probably the one mm-hmm. player that can keep Novak out of the final. Yes. And, uh, you know, let, let's see what happens. I think, you know, one thing that Novak does have the ability to do in, ex- in addition to extend the rally is he disguises the drop shot better than anybody in this field. 
And for a player like Medvedev, who, I mean, literally is sitting back there in the front row with the stands, right? You know, one hand on the LED boards, right? Hitting the ball. I think Novak, with his ability to disguise the drop shot, has the ability to sort of bring uh, Medvedev more forward than he's comfortable. And I think that will be the edge that takes him uh, over. Yeah, I just had a look at the schedule right now. So Rublev Djokovic is tomorrow, and that's that's the afternoon match. So Rublev needs to throw everything he's got at him. If Novak loses that, if Rublev is so pumped, I don't think he will. I don't think he will. But let's say Rublev pulls off an upset. Then that makes the Medvedev match even bigger. Like, even <laughs> bigger. Um, and we got Tsitsipas and Medvedev as, as the evening match tomorrow. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm great looking forward to it. The one thing that helps Novak is the court speed. And it's low. It's a low bouncing court and it's a fast court. And it's behaving like queen's grass and remember back in 2018 novak didn't do anything at the start but finally found his legs when he went to queen's and had match points on silich lost but he finally found his game a low bouncing fast court is just like a good grass court and we know how good novak is at wimbledon and and he loves it he absolutely loves this because he can use that he can defend the speed and he can use the speed better than anybody in this draw well, we look forward to it, Craig. So we're, we're, we're going to touch base again this week, and we're going to try to analyze that to, right before the final, if you have time. And I want to appreciate you for taking time coming on. And, um, you know, let's stay tuned. Thank, Thank you, you, guys. This has been the Tennis.com podcast with Craig O'Shaughnessy, who is live on location at the NEDO ATP Finals. Thanks for listening.